from Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Let's see if I can remember how to do all this. Is my mic on? <laughs> hey, how about that? That's a good start. You know, it's been a month since I've actually sat in this air chair in the cozy confines of our flagship station here at AM740 Zuma Radio, 550 Queen Street East in Toronto, the good, the big smoke, Hogtown, uh, for all of you listening uh, in the U.S. and elsewhere around the world on online. Uh, let me give you a sense. You know, people say, oh, you work in radio, how exciting and how romantic. And yes, it's all of those things, but... Uh, um, is it glamorous? Well, not exactly. Let me give you a, a sense of what happened as I wheeled in here this morning. Uh, first thing I do, I come into the um, into the studio and I say hello to the uh, the host of the program that precedes mine. That would be the venerable George Genescu. And I say, George, happy happy uh, happy New Year! And uh, he's celebrating uh, the old he's old calendar, old calendar. So he's celebrating Christmas. And uh, so I greet George, and then I ask him, can I get you a cup of tea? Because George is, uh, you know, he's been a little under the weather. So um, he says, no thanks. He says, but be careful in the kitchen. And uh, so I wander into the kitchen to get my own uh, cup of chai, and the sink is backed up. And, you know, it's... We're not quite back into the swing of things here, so, you know, people have been away and so forth. Anyway, that sink is... Uh, looking somewhat like Love Canal. <laughs> so I decide to roll up my sleeves. It's like 9.30. I got a little bit of time before I start to prep the show. Uh, so a half an hour later, I'm bailing. I'm bailing that sink out. And uh, because I can't even see where the drain is. I mean, the, the water is brown, ladies and gentlemen. So I can't see where the drain is to get the plunger in there. I'm just guessing. I'm not sticking my hand in there. We don't have any of the rubber Playtex gloves. So I'm bailing like mad, walking... The uh, a, a, I, th- I grabbed a uh, some sort of a I don't know a, a, a salad bowl or something and I'm bailing the water, walking it down the hall of the washroom. I get the sink emptied uh, and then I start pouring hot water down. Anyway, so I clean up the sink and I do a little bit of dishes. So radio glamorous? <laughs> well, you be the judge. Hey, how are you? Good to have you aboard. And I want to uh, quickly direct you to the website because I've got some interesting webs uh, some stories up there. Uh, RichardSarrett.com. Richard Serrett, S-Y-R-E-T-T dot com. 20 years in the biz, still spelling my last name. <laughs> Richard dot com. That's your portal, of course, to the conspiracy show. And um, I posted some stories up there recently that I think you should be uh, aware of. Uh, those Navy SEALs supposedly involved in the uh, the killing of Osama bin Laden. Of course, a new movie out in the, uh, the theaters uh, that's uh, part of the myth-making industry. Uh, it's about the team that went in there and supposedly killed Osama bin Laden in uh, May of, uh, when was that, 2011? Which is kind of odd because, you know, most of the uh, the reports claimed he died somewhere around Christmas of 2001. In any event, uh, these uh, SEALs, the so-called, the so-called killers of Osama bin Laden, um, strangely are dying off. One fairly recently in Afghanistan, a supposed victim of a suicide, or was he suicided? So you'll want to have a look at that story. And um, then, of course, some stories regarding the supposed or the uh, the proposed new handgun legislation or gun control legislation uh, by um, U.S. Congresswoman 
Diane Feinstein. Some interesting takes on that. Those are all found on the website richardserrett.com. And of course, these are stories you won't read or see in the mainstream news. The mainstream news is actually the subject of the program tonight. We're going to talk about the role of the television anchor and their role in the matrix, how they are carefully vetted and selected and groomed by the corporatocracy that owns the major news outlets, certainly in the United States, and how they are used to brainwash and dumb down the public. A series of must-read blogs by my next guest, and we'll direct you to to those so that you can uh, sort of catch up and get, get, get up to speed on this most important topic, how television networks act as mind control. And joining us on the line from uh, California, one of my faves, really belongs in the pantheon of uh, uh, truth seekers. He's the author of an explosive collection called The Matrix Revealed. John Rappaport was a candidate for a U.S. congressional seat in the 29th District of California, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize. He has worked as an investigative reporter for 30 years, writing articles on politics, medicine, and health for CBS Health Watch, LA Weekly, Spin Magazine, Stern, and other newspapers and magazines in the U.S. and Europe. He's delivered lectures and seminars on global politics, health, logic, and creative powers to audiences around the world. And, of course, he is the man behind the very popular uh, website. And this is one you definitely want to bookmark, nomorefakenews.com. A great pleasure to welcome John Rappaport once again to The Conspiracy Show. Hello, John. How are you? Okay. Good, Richard. Great to be here with you, always. Uh, listen, congratulations on the, 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 the recent series of... You have just been... Your fingers are aflame, my friend. You've been just uh-huh. uh, one great blog after the other. And uh, we'll, again, we'll tell people how to get to, to these so they can read them. But I wanted to focus on television network news as mind control. And, and of course, you've been writing about this as... Uh, a recent series of tragic events. Uh, we, of course, we had Hurricane Sandy, and then we had the, uh, before that, we had the Aurora, uh, theater shooting, uh, a spate of, of horrible uh, shootings, uh, and massacres, uh, last year. And then most recently, of course, we had the horrible event at Newtown in Connecticut at, uh, Sandy Hook. And, uh, I had an interesting discussion with a parent at a birthday party recently, and she, uh, she, she, um, she was talking about the network news, how she doesn't watch and believe the network news anymore. And she called it the new religion, and she called people like Wolf Blitzer the new priests of this new religion. I thought, that's an interesting take. That's an interesting idea. What do you think of that? Well, it's uh, pretty accurate, I would say, because, you know, in former days, when you had a country or a region where there was just one church, and you had to belong to it because there was the priest class and everybody was from birth uh, involved forcibly, then that's where all the information came from about anything that was considered to be important. And so now we have the news, and particularly television news. And so who are the modern priest class in this secular religion, they are the anchors. They are the people who 
tell us the story of our time, basically. And they have a, a shrinking audience, but it's still pretty tremendous in terms of influence. So, yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, the, a shrinking idi- audience indeed, because people are starting to, to vote with their feet and move on elsewhere to find their news, uh, places like nomorefakenews.com. Uh, and, but there's also... I'm detecting an anger and a frustration out there. People are starting to catch on that they're being manipulated. One, again, this conversation with a parent at a birthday party, and she was she was angry. She was seething. Uh, again, in the wake of Sandy Hook, she's she said we're being told when to grieve, how to grieve. Uh, you know, when is the right time to grieve? Uh, you know, they're defining the parameters uh, of of the discussion around these events. And you made a very interesting point in one of your blogs about how. These, uh, these people, these, uh, the, you know, the, the survivors of these horrific events, they come on and they, they're told, you know, the, in advance, they're vetted in advance by the producers how this conversation with the anchor back in the studio is going to go. And, and I, I just want you to sort of extrapolate or expand on that a little bit because this is a, this is a real eye opener for people who don't know how the network news is put together. Let's say what they're interviewing, a family member, a survivor, or a family member of a victim of, of let's say, Sandy Hook, and, and how the producers kind of move in and take over. Right. Now, this is what I would call an elite interview. That means the anchor, the national news anchor, which in the United States would be Diane Sawyer or Scott Pelley or Brian Williams, is going to handle the interview, and it's prepared. This is not some local reporter catching up with somebody on the street. And so there's an agenda here, first of all. People have to understand the network has an agenda. And just as this parent at the party was telling you, grief, for example, is high on the list. And also the, quote, celebration of a life lost. So the producer is going to sit down with a mother of a child, say it's Sandy Hook, who's just been killed, and say, look, we're, you know, we're very, very sorry for your loss, and we understand how terrible this is and so on. But what we want to do in this interview is celebrate the life of your child, because we want people to remember what's been lost here. And so we want you to talk about what she was like and how her friends thought of her and her family, what her hobbies and interests were, and so on and so forth. And we want to honor her memory. And this is a skill. The producer's skill is in winning over the grieving mother to his side before the interview ever takes place. Because who knows what this mother is experiencing? And probably talking about the life of her child while she was alive is the last thing for, on her mind. But that's what the network wants because they're building a storyline. Uh, you know, horror, then shock, grief, loss, grieving, memorials, etc., etc., healing. You know, there's a storyline that goes with each one of these. It's the same basic storyline. And so they're fitting this mother right into that storyline. And the skill of the producer is to prepare the mother so that she will indeed give the information out to the anchor who's got questions ready. 
And to the audience watching this on television, if they're awake at all, it seems completely preposterous. <clears throat> on the one hand, that this mother could possibly be uh, talking about this at a time like this. Because any sane parent would be in such devastated condition that that just wouldn't happen. Yeah, they might blurt out things like, I am so angry, if I had been there, if I had had a gun, I would have stopped him. Why That's wasn't right. someone in the school armed? That's then... right, you see, and this is verboten. You can't do that. And as I pointed out in one of my articles, isn't it interesting that of all the people who were interviewed at Sandy Hook, and I watched a lot of the interviews, I saw not one parent who expressed outrage or anger. Now, the audience is so conditioned by these uh, mass murders and tragedies and so forth that they don't even notice it anymore. But from the human point of view, it's ridiculous. There's going to be some parent that they can find, and probably a number of them, who would be extremely outraged and angry. But this is not permitted because it's not part of the storyline. They don't want to promote that because that leads to darker things like how did this happen? Is the storyline that we're really getting from the police correct? Exactly. Listen, John, let me jump in here. We'll uh, take a time out, come back, continue our conversation. Television Network News as Mind Control with John Rappaport from No More Fake News right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back, and you can say hello on Twitter at uh, twitter.com slash Richard Serrett. Right now, John Rappaport uh, is with us, uh, Pulitzer, uh, nominated for a Pulitzer Prize, uh, has toiled in uh, uh, the mainstream media uh, as an investigative reporter for 30 years, and then... Uh, as an alternative investigative reporter, he's written about politics, medicine, health uh, for, as I say, a number of mainstream organizations like CBS, Health Watch, LA Weekly, Spin Magazine. Uh, and now we're here talking about uh, television network news as mind control. And, uh, John, when most of us, when we look at these uh, anchors at uh, CNN or CBS, ABC, NBC, and so forth. These are, they, they always look, uh, you know, they've got the, the well-defined, chiseled features, uh, uh, if we're talking about a male, um, even, the, the, you know, the female uh, anchors have a certain look, but dignified, they look dignified normally, uh, but there's something missing. I mean, there's not a lot of passion there, and as you point out, and I think most of us are catching on to this fact, not a lot of curiosity. They don't ask the questions any normal, curious person would ask. Yes, and that's how they're vetted. You see, because in that culture, you're supposed to have a high IQ, but that high IQ is kind of sealed off in its own container. It's quite conventional, really. It's not the kind of intelligence that is probing that looks below the surface, that isn't satisfied with pat answers. And so if you're going to rise to the top in that business, then you have to be really an extremely conventional person who looks at issues in 
a preset uh, way and maintains that position for 5, 10, 20 years sometimes, which is extremely debilitating, but they do it. And that's what they're looking for. And the other thing that they're looking for is the voice. The voice has to be, I won't say soothing, but it has to put people in a kind of light, suggestive state because it has behind it the kind of dignified authority that lets the audience know that, yes, this is the narrator of the storyline, and we are getting the story. And this is why the audience, um, even though they themselves start to come up with questions about the scenario, like in the case of Sandy Hook, well, I heard just a minute ago that they had, you know, there was another shooter. What happened to him? And then there was a third person that they had down the ground. That's three shooters. And ABC reported at one point that there were there was definitely a second shooter, <coughs> and now he's disappeared. What happened? And those questions have to be taken out of the game. And the way they're taken out of the game is that as the anchor tells the story, you see, and this is what happened, and then police are now reporting, and there's a certain dignity and a kind of sympathy, a tinge of sympathy, but very objective and so on. The desire of the audience to get the story from the narrator, the anchor, overrides any questions that the audience would have. This is mind control. This is obliterating history as it occurs and replacing it with another story, and that's the job of the anchor. And if the anchor can't do that, for whatever reason, that person is not going to remain the anchor. That ability, above all, to absorb contradictions, things that don't fit, to omit details that were reported as true five minutes ago and pretend they don't exist, to weave together the latest version of the story. All of that has to be pulled off in such a way that the audience buys it and that the audience is put into a suggestible state by the look, the demeanor, the voice, the attitude, the presence of the anchor. That's why Walter Cronkite was called, you know, the godfather, the father of our country. The most trusted man in America. The most trusted man in America, exactly. And that's why Brian Williams is called uh, the Cronkite of the 21st century, because at NBC, he does a much better job than either Scott Pelley at CBS or Diane Sawyer at ABC News in convincing you of his absolute sincerity and command of the information. That's what's going on there. This is mind control, but people don't recognize it because they say, well, what else could it, you know, would we go for? What else would we be watching? I mean, that's how effective this mind control is, is that most people who watch the news, network news, don't even stop to think what it might look like if an entirely different person were the anchor, such as an aggressively independent mind, who was not satisfied with pat answers from authorities. I mean, there isn't any such animal, and there never has been. I started watching the news as a kid in about 1953, when it really began to take hold on television. 
Douglas Edwards, who was one of these guys, pretty convincing. And then eventually that uh, morphed into Huntley and Brinkley, who were a smashing success. And then Walter Cronkite. And by that time, the whole idea of the anchor as the priest, the narrator, the storyteller, was created in the American mind. I mean, up until the early 1950s, there was no such animal on television because television was new. You had news roundups and that sort of thing. Uh, but you didn't have the anchor. And this is... People want story. They want to hear the story in a convincing fashion. That's the addiction. That's what allows people to go under and be mind-controlled. So it's the anchor's job to be the kind of storyteller that people want to listen to. That's why they listen to Brian Williams rather than Scott Pelley or Scott Pelley rather than Diane Sawyer. It has nothing to do really with the content of the news. In case people haven't noticed or thought about it, isn't it rather amazing that in every major story of our time, all three networks, major networks, and all three major anchors always come out with the same basic conclusions on every story. I mean, you would think if you got three smart people in a room talking about something, you would come up with different conclusions. But no, this is all programmed. And people pick out their favorite storyteller. Well, it's time for me to watch Brian, or, boy, I let Scott is great, or Diane, she's my girl, and... You know, they may not say that, but that's what subconsciously, at least, they're thinking. You say that they take propriety, these network anchors, they take propriety to an extreme. What do you mean by that? They take it to the point where, and this is maybe difficult for some people to grasp, where looking below the surface of things to find out what's really going on is considered a ugly taboo. That's also the job of the anchor. We present the news to you. Here it is. This is what so-and-so says. This is what such-and-such says. And here we have this story. And now, over here, we have another story and so forth. It's all very smooth and, and, you know, weaved together and so on. To create the impression that to stop this flow, this hypnotic flow, and suddenly say... But this doesn't make any sense. (laughs) So let's dig deeper here. No. That is considered, in a way, an ugly interruption to the flow. It's impropriety to do that. It's uh, rude. It's impolite. That's what the anchor has to convey to the audience over a period of days, months, years, and so on that the audience does not want to see that. That's, that's what the anchor is subliminally telling the audience. You don't want me to stop the story. You don't want me to stop the flow. You don't want me to stop everything and suddenly say, but you and I know, folks, that what I just reported here is completely ridiculous because it doesn't make any sense, and let me explain why. I think anybody would be able to see this. And so let's talk to somebody else completely who has a different take. No, 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 no. See, that cracks the storyline. The storyline now becomes thrown into severe doubt. 
Well, the audience thinks, gee, well, what is the story here? I don't know what the story is. I don't like that feeling. That's not why I tuned in here. That's mind control. That's hypnosis. And it's engendered and built up over days, months, years, decades by the networks to condition the audience to not want to stop music and look below the surface and find the contradictions and the lies that are being told by people that are otherwise supposedly very respectable and authoritative people. John Rappaport with us from No More Fake News as we talk about television network news as mind control. Now, is it how important is it for the what you call the elite anchors to believe the storyline that they're selling, the what you call the basic parameters and boundaries and context of a story? Do they have to buy into that? Or, I mean, how important is that? It's very important. Like any actor has to believe the role that he's playing when he's on stage. To me, this is one of the contradictions that is essential for an anchor to be able to deal with. He believes and he doesn't believe. He accepts the parameters, yet he doesn't. He's sincere and earnest, and yet he's cynical. He has to be able to embody all of that, but on the air, he completely believes. If afterwards he's having a few drinks and he thinks to himself, gee, that was just a, you know, what a dog story that was. That couldn't be true. But he made it true when he was on the air. And that doesn't bother him, see? He's that kind of a personality. And some people don't understand how people can be that way, but there are people, certainly, who are that way. You compare them to eunuchs. Yes. The eunuch who is uh, cut off, you know, literally, from society. Cut off from real human connection. Is trusted in the ancient courts very trusted because it's assumed that all of his you know personal desires and so forth have been eliminated so therefore he can be a loyal completely trusted person and so the neutrality of the elite anchor when you really look at it and analyze it and take it apart is very much like a eunuch it's neutral it's very calm it seems to be very uh, impassive objective factual, no real distinct heavy personality, all the edges have been rubbed away. That's eunuch. <laughs> you know what, uh, when I look at the rep- report- reportage uh, today and I see the way news stories are handled, it reminds me of uh, the uh, the journalists that worked for Stars and Stripes during the you know the times of war. And, and I go back to uh, you know one of my old favorite TV shows, MASH, and those people that were writing for Stars and Stripes and, and uh, during the Korean conflict. Uh, and, and, I mean, I understand a certain amount of rally round the flag when the nation is under threat. And, of course, now we're led to believe that the country is in a, or that the world is in a constant state of threat from terror. So it's like everyone who's working in mainstream news is writing for Stars and Stripes. It's, it's this over-reliance on government sources and it's almost, there's this infallibility of these government sources. They never question them. If it comes from the FBI or the CIA or from the State Department, it must be true. That That's shocking to me. That angers me. Yeah, absolutely. And their job is to make the population not get angry about that. 
not to really ask serious questions or start throwing things at the screen and turn off the set. That's part of, you know, what they do is to be able to take those, quote, reliable sources and keep on spinning it out. What they say is the news. Yes, the FBI reported today that such and so a person, you know, might be prone to say, well, hold it right there. The FBI reported what? Isn't this the same lab that was, you know, unexposed some years ago, uh, faking all kinds of evidence? Blah, blah, blah. But no, you can't start asking all those questions while the news is on in front of you. Otherwise, you lose the thread of the story. So put that aside. Listen to the anchor. Yes, the FBI reported today that three fugitives have been bubbled and so forth. And, you know, and there it is. The reliable source is unassailable. You can't question it. It just flows out as part of the stage play. The CIA said, uh, the Department of Justice, uh, the FDA, has approved a new drug. Yeah, well, I've been reading about 17 different drugs that were already approved, and then they were taken off the market because they were killing people. But why isn't the anchor mentioning that? No, the anchor is just saying today the FDA approved a new drug that will allow you to, you know, levitate up all the way up to the moon. Well, I guess it must be true. All right, listen, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we'll talk about who is grooming these elite network anchors. John Rappaport, no more fake news right here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. man. None of it is true. But you people sit there day after day, night after night, all ages, colors, creeds. We're all you know. You're beginning to believe the illusions we're spinning here. John Rappaport is with us from No More Fake News. And uh, uh, John, if people want to subscribe to your blogs, how do they do that? They just go to nomorefakenews.com and they just sign right up on the home page to get on the email list and then their emailed articles uh, right into their email box. Very simple. The Ideal Television Anchor and His Role in the Matrix is uh, the title of um, uh, an entry earlier this month, an earlier blog, and we're kind of riffing on that right now. It's interesting, this program, we often start off with a clip from my favorite movie, Network. I mean, 1976, nearly 40 years ago, but more relevant today probably than ever. I don't Patty Chayefsky was, was tapped into something that... He, total genius, but that Howard Beale character who sort of broke loose, uh, you know, he was the respected, passionless voice of neutrality and then had some sort of uh, epiphany and uh, decided, you know, to break free from that, start telling the unvarnished truth. So then the network cleverly sort of repackaged him as the mad prophet of the airwaves, but a buffoon, you know, someone to be sort of laughed at, but isn't he amusing over here? I mean, are there Howard Beals out there today on network news that are trying to break through but get slapped down? Cheryl Atkinson, CBS. Tell me about Cheryl. Well, she was a part-time anchor at CNN. I think she did maybe weekend anchoring at CBS on and off, which is kind of like the second slot. But she's too smart. She's actually an investigative reporter, one of the only ones around. I mean, really, in mainstream television news. She broke part of the horrendous details of Fast and Furious. She broke a couple of major stories during the fake swine flu epidemic. And they kind of cut her off at the knees. 
in my estimation. She could have been a good anchor, but she didn't have that sort of conventional mind quality for it. So they just took her out of the, you know, out of the loop, and they put her in another role, which is, to me, turning into a quite limited role over at CBS. Dan, rather interesting uh, guy. Now, I, I don't know if you've heard this story, but I was told that he sort of was fast-tracked over at CBS, uh, eventually becoming network, because this goes back to the Kennedy assassination, that he basically said, after viewing the Sapruder film, yes, he was shot from behind. And that basically catapulted him to the anchor position. Have you heard that story? Is that true? I haven't heard it, but I doubt it. I mean, he may have said that, but I don't think that had anything to do with getting him into the anchor slot. In fact, that would have been a barrier to getting into the anchor slot. But I agree with you. He was interesting because there was always something boiling under the surface with him, and occasionally it would break out with a story, and then he would get slapped down, and he would come back, and and finally, you know, the little debacle about George W. Bush's Air Force Service cooked his goose. But there are talent spotters. The networks have talent spotters because, you know, they've got local news people all over the country doing television news. And so they're looking for people to bring up the line into bigger uh, venues, bigger cities, and so on, until finally maybe we've got somebody here, let's put them on uh, doing you know some reports for the evening news on CBS, and let's see how they pan out, let's see how popular they are, et cetera, et cetera. And Scott Pelley, for example, came up that way. Brian Williams made his bones on covering disasters like the Asian tsunami and Katrina, Diane Sawyer, on the other hand, is really somebody who never belonged on network news and got it by default. She was more like the oozing sympathy girl on, you know, the morning network shows. But they just didn't have anybody else, and they thought she was popular enough, so they said, okay, let's do it with her. But they're talent spotting all the time. And I'll say something quite radical here, and that is, I believe that anchors like Brian Williams, Scott Pelley, from the time that they are small children, see themselves, envision themselves as the voice that is telling the story to a lot of people. They see that as their future. I have met kids like that when I was a kid. I went to college with one. When I first met him, I didn't have any idea who he was, but everything that he said came out of his mouth like it was a newscast. Let me uh, jump in here, John. We'll find out who that was when we come back. John Rappaport, no more fake news. The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. John Rappaport is with us. No more fake news. We're talking about the ideal television anchor and his role in The Matrix. That's uh, the title of... uh, uh, John's January 1st blog, uh, which you can uh, subscribe to at nomorefakenews.com. And uh, we'll get to some uh, calls here in a moment. Uh, Dana in uh, Connecticut and Don in Pennsylvania, both being very patient. Thank you. We'll get to you. John, you met this uh, young student in college. You said even at an early age presented himself like a news anchor uh, and uh, almost was seemed to be being groomed for that role. Well, so who was it? He didn't make it. Ah. I watched him, but... He was, you know, in the pool, let's say. There are a lot of kids like that. They grow up, they have a certain capacity to make everything that they say 
sound very naturally authoritative. It's almost as if they're born that way. I think it's more like they just decide this is how I want to be. This is what I want to do. I want to tell the story that people will believe. And out of that pool of, of, of kids, you know, three rise to the top eventually. That's pretty cutthroat. And so the ones that rise to the top and are tapped by the talent spotters, they have to have this mix of qualities that we've been talking about. The talent spotters will say they have to be credible. And what they mean is they have to be hypnotic. They have to put people in a suggestible mental state every night on the news to give the impression that everything they're saying is absolutely up-to-date and the best truth that can be delivered. How are they vetted and who vets them? Is it anything like, for example, a presidential candidate going to the Bilderberg meeting like Clinton in 92 and getting a, you know, a master's class in globalism from, from David Rockefeller and then when Clinton agrees, then Rockefeller says, thank you very much, Mr. President. I mean, is that how it works? Yes, that's part of it. In other words, when someone is spotted say, out there in St. Louis, hey, we've got a really good, you know. Okay, let's bring him to New York and put him on the New York affiliate of the network, and let's see how he does. Now he's in New York. Now there's a tremendous social scene in New York. There's the Council on Foreign Relations, and there's uh, all sorts of, uh, you know, foundations and museum events and fundraisers and this and that. And some of the most elite types in the world live in New York. Let's bring them into the social circus and see how he gets along. That's really a process of vetting. Does he fit in? Does he impress people? Does he convince us that he's not going to paint outside the lines? And you can, if you watch somebody close enough for a year or two, in a social sort of swimming pool with a lot of elite people, you're going to be able to make a good estimate of what they are in terms of what you're looking for in this case, which is, you know, the anchor. And so it's an informal vetting process, but it definitely takes place. They look at his talent. They look at his ability on camera, all of that, yes. But now we want to see. Can we trust this guy to deliver our network product without becoming a Howard Beale and flipping, without suddenly getting too aggressive? Because you have to realize that these anchors generally are also the managing editors of the news on that network, or at least their own uh, program, which is the news program. They decide which stories go on the air. So it isn't just the voice. So we want to make sure that this guy is not going to suddenly start trying to put on stories that are, you know, off the main line of the narrative that we want the public to believe. And this social vetting is a very, uh, you know, reliable way of doing that. Is this guy smart enough and yet dumb enough to always be painting inside the lines? Let's go to the phones, and to Connecticut we go. Dana, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. Thank you. Yes, hi, Richard. Hi, Mr. Rappaport. Hi. I live about uh, seven miles from the incident in uh, Newtown, and um, I happened to be listening to the news that morning, um, and Channel 3 um, 
WFSB TV out of Hartford, they were they said specifically several times that there was a maroon van with the window shot out that the uh, state police had in custody, and that there was another shooter they had in custody outside um, on the school grounds. <clears throat> um, later, they said the uh, person on the school grounds was a hunter. Now, no one hunts. Give me a break near an elementary school. <laughs> right. I mean, it's so ridiculous. I don't see why people just accept this. It's just, um, can you give me a reason, Mr. Rappaport? Well, I think that's what we've been talking about for the last 50 minutes. No one would believe it unless they were in a suggestible hypnotic state. It's hard for people to accept that, but that's what the television elite anchor does in these kinds of broadcasts. They could say anything. There's a man, you know, walking with a tiger in the woods, and he was arrested, and the tiger was sent to a zoo in Philadelphia. And people are going to believe that, because it's all in the way it's being delivered, and it's all the fact that most of these people watching this event on television have been watching television for 20, 30 years already. So they're conditioned. This is the whole point, is to give them their nightly hypnotic session so that when somebody says a hunter in the woods, they're not going to say, what? A hunter near a school? I never heard of that. They're going to say, oh, yeah, that's right. I heard he was wearing camouflage, so I guess he was a hunter. They're going to supply the information that the anchor doesn't even give them. They're going to connect dots to make the anchor as real and truthful and authoritative as they possibly can. This is what happens under hypnosis. If you have a hypnotist who is unscrupulous, he basically establishes himself as the authority figure for the patient or the subject. And he defines our reality. Defines reality, exactly. And that's what this is all about. So that anything that doesn't fit with the reality is automatically rejected or ignored by the patient or the subject. All right, Dana in Connecticut, thank you for that. Uh, Don is in Pennsylvania. Welcome to the Conspiracy Show, Don. Yes, good evening. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, taking my call here. Mr. Report, Rappaport, I'd like to ask you a question. Uh, you just spoke to the last gentleman, as a matter of fact, and you said the whole point of these news anchors was to keep the public in a, uh, hypnotized, as it were. And what my question is, is what is the purpose of the uh, networks or whoever the powers to be are that they want these newscasters to have us not know the truth. What, what, what is it to gain for us to be hypnotized to accept anything? It would seem to me that it's detrimental to them for us not to know the truth. You understand what I'm saying? Yes, I do. But you have to understand what their agenda is, basically. And it's... It's not something that I could fully explain in a minute, but part of it is the people that own the networks and the people who own the people who own the networks, their view of society and humanity and the population is it's dangerous and they need to be controlled and told what to think. Because if we don't do that, then things will get very unpredictable and chaotic. 
These are like wild animals that need to be tamed. Now, that may seem absurd, but this is kind of the way elite people view the rest of the population. And given that predisposition on their part, then they say, well, the purpose of our news network is really to provide a storyline in such a way that it will, as Richard just said, create reality as we want it to be seen by this audience. That's our job. And in doing so, we preserve the order. We preserve the society. We are actually doing good because if we weren't here and there was no central authority, ministry of information, then people would run wild and they would be in complete state of chaos and rebellion and the whole society would collapse. So we are doing the only good thing we could possibly do. I tell you, from my experiences with types like this, that's really underneath it all how they view the rest of us. And that's why they have that agenda. And that's why the truth is the last thing that they want to get out. Don in Pennsylvania, thank you for that. I think we have time quickly for Mark in Mississauga. Mark, go ahead. You're on The Conspiracy Show. Thank you very much for taking my call. Very interesting topic. And Mr. Rahman, of course, uh, uh, speaking about anchor people, you know, before I go to my quick question, just have a, a, what I've heard about before and what you're talking about. Uh, two, two quick questions. One is, is it true, because I heard this also on other shows as well, that the, the uh, mainstream news is controlled if you go right back to possibly United Kingdom in the uh, House of Windsor, going back to the Queen and so forth, and basically they control what is said on the news. And secondly, uh, about Lloyd Robertson, when uh, he started back in the mid-70s, I think it was a gentleman by the name of George Finstan, which also anchored at the same time. But after about a year, uh, Lloyd continued, and George was off the air. Just wondered if you might uh, know anything on George Finstein. I don't know if uh, John can speak to the Canadian scene, but just uh, let's talk br- very briefly, because we're almost out of time, about the, the concentration of ownership. And I know mainly, you know, John, you, you concern yourselves with, with the, the, the United States. Uh, what is it, about three, four now major corporations own all of the major news outlets? Yeah, it's maybe five, six at the most, but it's completely concentrated, no question about it. So... That tells you something right there. This is not, you know, free and easy news. This is highly centralized. And as far as Canada goes, there's nothing I can really say about that, except that they eliminate anchors usually because they don't have these qualities that we've been discussing for the last hour. They just don't match. It's there's something about them that just doesn't provide that hypnotic flow to the audience, and therefore they have to go. All right. Once again, John, uh, how do people subscribe to your blog? They just go to nomorefakenews.com, and right on the home page, you'll see a little sign up there. You just put in your email address, and you're in, and you'll get free articles in your email box from me, and... Keep up with uh, all my reporting. And uh, The Matrix Revealed, very quickly, what is that all about and how can people get a copy of that? Uh, right on the home page, you'll see a, a graphic box that says The Matrix Revealed, and you just click underneath it, and there's a full description of the product. This is basically many years of research talking with people who were 
serious insiders in the game of media control, mind control, uh, intelligence agency type control, financial control, who left, who left, who got out, who escaped, and eventually talked to me off the record about the way the matrix is really put together and constructed. It's a huge product with a lot of information, and you can read all about it on my site. NoMoreFakeNews.com. John, always a pleasure to have you, and uh, appreciate your enlightening us uh, once you, again. Richard. It's always a pleasure to be here with you. Look forward to our next conversation. Thank you. John Rappaport. Again, the website for this program, RichardSerrett.com. I highly encourage you to log on, register, and... Uh, it's your portal to the Conspiracy Show. Also would appreciate a hello. Twitter.com slash Richard Serrett.